Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, the men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yavapai calling eyes like the sky. Everybody, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Oh yeah. Special episode of Cutting for Sign. They're all special, <laughs> but this one, this one yeah. is a long, long time coming because we've been trying to get this guy on. I mean, he, I think he made our list the first, first go round of like who we wanted on on the as show. Long as Cutting Sign for Sign has been in existence. Yeah. Jordan Jonas is being has been being courted by Cutting for Sign. <laughs> and the second thing I think is interesting about this episode is that he, or about yeah, about this episode is that Jordan actually knows how to cut for sign yeah <laughs> like literally well, <laughs> like literally he's a, but no. he's a professional hunter <laughs> yeah so yeah. that again what'd you say well you you do that you you cut for sign you do you, you hunt you hunt oh yeah 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 but he he's our first he's he's like a guy that uh i mean he if i do that i'm i'm I'm, I do that in my backyard, like a basketball kid playing, you know, like a kid playing basketball and is like the street. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's the NBA. I mean, he's the. So he's do you think he knows the term cutting for sun? That's a good question. Is it a guarantee? I, I was going to just immediately go, yeah, of course he does, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate the check because it's like, uh, yeah. 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 Archaic terms like that, you know, you never know. Here's the other thing. Uh, I put a little bit of money in his pocket indirectly because okay. he, he made me spend a lot of, he's made me spend more money on clothes in one shopping spree than I had spent on clothes probably in the like previous several years combined. Why is it? Why? How'd that put money in his pocket? Does he have a clothing line or something? No, he's a, he's, he's an affiliate for a, a hunting gear company. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. QU and, and, um, back Back in twenty twenty one, when I when I went back to hunting, I went out, you know, and used his affiliate link to buy all this gear and and just spent a shit ton of money. I mean, uh, remember we had Steve Maxwell on, and he was like, and and I asked him, he and Steve Maxwell is a minimalist. Like, um, he walked around the earth for fifteen years with twenty five kilo backpack, and that was all of his possessions in the world, right? Minimalist yeah. of minimalists and a nomad. And, and then he got a tiny house a couple of years ago. And then me and Ron and a good friend of ours, who is our next guest, actually, David Robles, we went and had a episode of cutting for sign. We took it on the road and did it in his tiny house. Right. Oh, son. I don't know if you remember, but one of the questions I asked him is, all right, now that you're like settled in this huge mansion of a tiny house, uh, what is like, what is the thing that you're kind of accumulating that you, you know, you're kind of like, Oh damn it. I'm accumulating. Yeah. And he's, remember what he said? Tactical pants. Tactical yeah. clothes. <laughs> I've got pants. <laughs> those pants are, I have like a special place of honor in my closet. Like that it's a good day good. when I wear those pants. <laughs> uh, do you use them? Oh, okay. Fuck that yeah, was you, cool. Man. That was cool. But yeah, thanks. So, you know, clothes, I love how clothes got him. I did not expect that. Yeah. 
I mean, I wear <laughs> I wear uh, like my vest from my my camouflage hall like every single day. It's like it's a staple of mine. It's a staple. I get I get compliments on it all the time. Have you ever experienced this phenomena? This is a little off topic, but I'm I never put words to this. I will have very few clothes sometimes because I'll strip my my wardrobe down, like shedding the skin almost. And so when I start to come back, when I have very little clothes, I'll be like, "Oh my god, I don't have very many clothes. Like like three T-shirts or something." Okay, then I'll go shopping. And I'll make that six t-shirts, but the feeling of not having enough or, or as much of a choice changes zero. And then that'll go oh. up. And now I have like, this recently happened in the last two years. Yeah. I have probably 30, 30 t-shirts that yeah. I like carefully curated. And I still feel like I don't have, I feel the same exact level of lack of choice and options. Is that just me or is that something that you've experienced? I think that's, well, first of all, I feel that way. Not about t-shirts and clothes. I'm a, I'm a little ambivalent about my stuff. That's why I wear all black so much. Like I've got a, I've got a sweater on right now. I own four sweaters underneath. I have a black shirt. I own six or eight black shirts that I put no effort into discerning which one I'm wearing most days. Yeah. I've been, that's been the happiest I've ever been when I did that right there. I love it. I love it. It's like a uniform. Yeah. And I've, and I, then, then where I get a little excited is my boots. I have like nice boots i have red wing boots i have danner boots I have like, yeah you have a strong boot game yeah uh but where i do feel that is with archery gear or uh, uh if there's like something i'm into if it's like a um a hobby at the time or something like something i'm just that takes a lot of my you know I have yeah a, kind of a, an adrenalized excitement about it. it used to be at climbing gear was the same way and you'd have you double your amount and you still would feel like you didn't have oh man the choices I mean, I mean before my That's gear so got stolen this last april like i had the the nicest setup a person could potentially have and i was like i need more and i need different i need to build it out yeah and, oh, totally it's a weird phenomenon you know i wonder what that's about the christians would say you have a god-shaped hole in your heart and you're trying to fill it with clothes I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a clunky, reductive, you know what I mean? And non-Christians, I would see, I would hear say that. I know you mean, yeah. but but there's something more nuanced to it than that. And I th I yeah. think it's around not having the clothes that you actually like, you know, you know, because I'm serious, man. When I have six black shirts, I feel like I have all the shirts in the world. I think I just don't. I don't have the right shirts. Yeah, but I want to continue this conversation. Jordan's here. This is, I want to talk, tell you a story about my daughter having the same conversation with me. Yeah, so. interesting. Well, real quick, before we yeah. let him in. Yeah. 30-second version of what you're aiming at with Jordan. Um, Jordan has a family history of living through um, very, very difficult times, and I think in the form of a war, I think in, the, in a couple of generations before him. And he was handed this kind of grit that is pretty palatable when you listen to him talk. If you, if it kind of sifts through and I'm hmm. interested in hearing that and I'm I've always been interested with all of our guests, Jordan included, of seeing someone choose a life that is really outside of the norm and, and wondering how they cut for sign in their own world about, around mm. and gave themselves permission to do that. Yeah. Yeah. How about okay. you? What about you? Well, there was one thing that the way he talked, spoke about living uh, a life when he was in Siberia that was totally living off the land and how his body, his body kind of like clicked into place 
and he, he, he said something to the effect of, it was really easy to see how we were wired for that. And he went into the subtleties, or not subtleties, but the day-to-day of just how satisfying, fulfilling that life was compared to modern life. And um, it reminded me of Beth and Standing, the human herd, in a little bit. And I just was like, oh, so I want to tease that out. Yeah, solid. All right, let's let him in. Jordan Jonas, you are a wilderness living and self-reliance expert and winner of season six of the show alone. You spent your formative years in the vast nature that is Idaho country. Then, as a young adult, spent countless days and nights navigating both rural and urban environments while riding freight trains across the U.S. Soon after that adventure, you spent the better part of the next 10 years living in Siberian villages in Russia with fur trappers and traditional nomadic reindeer herders. There, there, day in and day out, you learned the art of survival from people whose existence depended on those skills. These abilities proved effective in helping you to win season six of the History Channel show alone. To do so, you spent 77 days in the Arctic. You successfully hunted a bull moose, a wolverine, dozens of rabbits, squirrels, grouse, and numerous fish. Jordan, throughout your life, you have learned to hunt, trap, fish, survive, and then, and even thrive in abundant times and lean. You've obviously learned to deal with tremendous adversity, but more importantly than this has been the development of character and love. You value ingenuity, adaptability, resilience, gratitude, your heritage, and becoming someone worthy of the incredible sacrifices made by those who came before you. You hope to do the same for your children. All right, Jordan. Welcome to All right. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. You want to ghostwrite anything? <laughs> I get offers pretty consistently for that stuff. That's yeah. probably well, like that. I think I think we might need to like start using this as a lead gen Daniel, where we bring people in and then we sell them on your writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a thing for a while where I was like, I was Hilarious. like, maybe I'll just send the intro to everyone, you know, as part of the like, like feel free to use this, but uh, they cool. kept pirating it and right turn it into books, huh? <laughs> yeah, should happen. Well, Jordan, Daniel's an excellent writer. Thank you cool. so much for coming on here because uh uh we were joking right before um you came on that uh you have as long as cutting for sun has been in, in existence we have been wanting to get in trying to get you on the show and so it's <laughs> yeah, a two-year journey one. man i love it love it yeah we've well, been cutting also... for sign to get you on here this whole time man you've been a tough animal to track but we got you man <laughs> <laughs> barely too you're in your car job. <laughs> yeah. the conditions were right it's the year is the season yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. everybody slowed down you got me yeah. <laughs> that's cool do you, uh, um, I was curious, <clears throat> do you, are you familiar with the term cutting for sign? Yeah. You are. Hell yeah. yeah. Have, yeah. You, I've, have you been curious about? You're, you're one of two guests in, in almost 80 <laughs> guests that know what that, know what that means. Moving through the woods, looking for animal signs and yeah. 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 We use yeah. it as a metaphor for, uh, moving through the woods of life, you know? Yeah. I read your, uh uh you know the, about your podcast and my wife was like oh is that a hunting podcast i was like no i don't think so I mean, it's just their terminology so, yeah but it's a cool metaphor i like it nice spiritually and emotionally yeah. hunting <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No. Yeah. Yeah. that's great i think it's you know it's a cool it's a cool term good uh good metaphor yeah i'm sure you were that's involved great. in that again daniel huh 
if you're writing. <laughs> no, that was all no. Ron. All Ron, you know, okay. You know what? The whole my, team over there. I my skills Writers. as a as a writing have never applied to title titling things. Like I used oh, to be yeah. a journalist, that's what I got my degree in and and mm-hmm. this is like you know, someone told me really early on, they were like, <laughs> editors are always going to change the title. And so I think a part of my brain just, just turned, turned off. off. Well, one more thing I don't have to do. <laughs> <laughs> but when we were like, what are we going to title this? We thought about it for a day or two. And I was coming up with, I don't know, not like really too on the nose. You know, that's kind wall. of my, yeah. and then Ron just comes with cutting for sign. And the instant he said it it was like you just titled our podcast that's cool that's cool fuck Good yeah it was awesome <laughs> yeah well done and my dad was a, a um a bow hunter when i was a kid and then oh, he yeah. had a heart attack at like 40 years old he was oh, young wow. oh wow and could and had open heart surgery um and couldn't pull a bow back anymore and so he got Whoa. into um black powder muzzleloaders no oh, right like like mm-hmm. not not inline muzzleloader not modern stuff but like the, right right you know, pre-1840 really? yeah. oh yeah big time yeah, yeah. i've got awesome. a flintlock like two feet from me like ones that have oh, the bell cool. the bell at the end that bell no 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 that's, that's the first like... thing that went through my mind did i go way back yeah yeah you went way too far too far so when i was when i was like 12 from 12 to like 16 all our holidays and summers not all not the whole summers but like each one of those i we would go to these uh mountain man rendezvous which is these these massive camps have you ever been to one no no uh, oh dude it's so sounds fun yeah (laughs) it's it's uh so you go to camp and you park your vehicle and there'll there'll be several hundred people at these things like your vehicle like a renaissance fair for mountain it's like a ren fair for for wannabe mountain men oh interesting yeah yeah. and you park you park you have to like leave everything it kind of is it's a mixed bag (laughs) so your clothes and your camping technology all have to be pre-1840 the only thing they allow in camp that's that's modern is like glasses and medication eyeglasses Uh and medication Uh and oh interesting yeah yeah. so you're like dressed in buckskin and and flannel and (laughs) you know so I, i don't know if i picked that up there or reading later on it was down it was that phrase was down in the back of my mind right right did you ever try hunting with your dad and stuff you ever go out i tried hunting with him he he um that poor guy he passed away when he was 53. he he talked the talk about hunting but um (laughs) he didn't walk the walk he he we i think we maybe hunted two times together and i I, probably Hmm. by the time i ended high school i had 100 days on my own right of of hunting and and um it was definitely inspired by him i mean he was the seed for me to get out mm-hmm. there but he i you know i don't know if you've ever been with somebody who who physically can't walk like, yeah and they you know yeah. it's tough, oh, it's it, was like tough. It, it was sad i mean i, I remember yeah. we went out and watching him try to walk up a hill oh. when i was like 12 or 13 years yeah, old. Yeah. i was like it was watch it, it was watching my god die my hero die Right. my eyes and i had a similar experience with my daddy is it's a slow decline he had diabetes and polio and you know and he ended oh. up dying when he was 63 but but you know i'd been 10 years of, of big you know decline that you just watch it is huh. it's pretty wild to watch but you also get an opportunity i don't know how your dad handled it to see 
how somebody handles that whole aspect of life and it's pretty yeah. powerful or can be how did your dad handle it well it was really hard initially because he uh he got an infection in his foot so he couldn't walk on his foot so oh. he ended up being laid up for like four years so he had to he lost his job and then my mom had to go back to school and go to work and that was just really hard for dad to see happen you know he just didn't picture yeah. life like that so he felt really worthless i think and had a it was really depressing for him, but then it was interesting over time to see him see that his worth wasn't in his productivity, which I get, really? you know, you get a lot. You actually see this. Wow. I see that on the internet a lot where you, all these guys that are, you know, you're, everybody's physically fit and tearing it up and it's like, oh, it's yeah. inspiring. That's great. But it's actually, it's obviously finite and we're all going <laughs> to run into that bad health. Yeah. It was interesting yeah. to see him face that and then he he had a switch where he kind of realized his self-worth wasn't in what he could physically do and then he became a lot more joyful again which he usually mm. was and it was actually really uh really powerful he was uh very gifted at encouraging being an encourager so he'd always like jordan you're doing great <clears throat> but then he would uh uh but you see, so he'd always be joyful when you saw him, like he'd always be talking about this and that. But then at, he knew how much pain he was in. He would always at night, you could hear him just like, ah, ah you know, oh. yeah. he had all these issues going on. And uh, just, the, yeah, you know, he, after those four years of being laid up, we went out to get firewood. It was his first trip out and he smashed his foot in the log splitter and oh. just... And so then they just amputated his leg and then they amputated his other one. So it was all that. It was just oh, a decline. But he lost oh. his feeling in his hands. They so couldn't use his hands. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just powerful to see somebody face that kind of suffering and find joy in it or in them you know, find joy in some place, yeah. even though yeah. he was basically, you know, paralyzed. And uh and yeah, it was profound. It made, you know, it was one of those perspective giving things that makes your suffering or whatever on alone, things like that just puts it into perspective. You're like, yeah, yeah. you know what, this is no big deal. So uh, Do you, feel, you feel like you would handle, you know, a, a, some similar process like that similarly? Yeah, I, I, I probably, I have a, I have a pretty... Yeah, I think so. But I think, but there's no denying how difficult it is. I know I had a taste of it a couple, some years back. I just had, I don't know what happened, but I had this back issue that just happened. Yeah. And then I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep more than two hours, you know, in the, yeah. and I, it was, you know, amazing how fast your quality of life goes down. You know? yeah. And I was just like, man, this is, that's weird. You could, you can be plugging along and just one little thing go wrong. And all of a sudden, <laughs> man that's kind of the end of your journey you know i could i got some glimpse of that and uh yeah and, and i could see what i had to wrestle with in that situation just and yeah two weeks ago my sister drove up from the bay i'm in northern california a few hours north of the bay and she's like 30 years old you know healthy fit and she was uh -huh. just turned in a chair she was here for the holiday she's turned in a chair uh -huh. and holding anything nothing and she fell on the ground and she has not been able to walk for for the two or three weeks since then. Wow. Is that bad? And she and at first we're all like, oh, that'll heal up, right? Because you didn't do anything. But it, right. and then and she was like, Oh my God, you're in real, real pain. And then she went in, got an MRI, 
and one of her discs just basically exploded. Like it just, you know, that herniated, but it was worse than herniated because it was because of a disease. Uh And it was like her whole life changed. She didn't go back down to the bay, didn't go to work, hasn't been to work. She's now, they're talking back surgery. Like this is Kristen, Ronald. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I know her. Unbelievable, man. Exactly that. Her whole life has changed, you know? It's just a, it can happen. It's so weird. We're so resilient on one end, and on the other, <laughs> yeah. just one little thing goes wrong. Right. Well, it's a I wonder. Game. I wonder if she's try. I mean, it doesn't sound. I don't know. I've I know people, and what fixed me weirdly enough, you know, like stem cell type injection. Oh yeah, you did that. I didn't. Well, I was going to, and then <laughs> I was desperate, and then I I went there to get stem cells, and it was too like more expensive. I was like, oh man. So I went the cheap route first, which is this thing called TRP. Yeah, I've done a and bunch of that. And I read about it on it. Yeah, and I thought it kind of might be a scam, but I was kind of desperate. And it was amazing. I, I mean, my pain, I will say, was not excruciating. It was just, it didn't allow me to sleep through the night. So I was just so yeah. sleep deprived. And uh, It's PRP. It's like uh, they take your blood out and spin it and get oh, the yeah. white blood cells and then re-inject yeah. that into your in- injury site. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a performance enhancement thing right i guess I, well what it does for me in my case it apparently it draws your body's own stem cells yeah. to where they inject it and so i didn't know i had fallen off a ladder at work when i was a little younger mm. and broke both my arms and stuff i think when i did oh, that i da- i damaged my back and didn't realize it yeah Dude, and, Jordan, that's exactly the same thing yeah my, my yeah. sister fell off of a ski lift 25 feet when she was like Dang. eight, and they said that's what it was. It was just sitting in there waiting. Sorry, building up scar tissue, and yeah, yep. that's crazy. Yep. I think that's what it was. It was, it was the weird. We had bought five separate mattresses just trying to get something I could sleep through the night on. Wow. I went and got that injection. My back was sore that night from the injection, and then the next day I slept through the night for the first oh, time in wow. like who knows how long. I was shocked. Yeah. It was the most. It was shocking to me. Um, and so uh, definitely something to try. It sounds like with a blown up disc, I'm sure there's other things that need to be done. But it would before surgery, I would kind of try it, you know, give it a whirl. I have a yeah, couple friends who had really good success with stem cells that went from being like unable to walk to, you know, going on elk hunts with me and stuff. Well, so yeah, it'd be something Dang. to yeah. something yeah, to look into. Ron, that uh, PRP is platelet-rich plasma. And so yeah. it's intense, though, man. I had it done in my knees and mm-hmm. uh, it worked mm-hmm. great. My, my legs feel great. But probably with some of the most discom- or uncomfortable, <laughs> painful feeling I've ever had is them taking that sludge because it's really viscous with this huge needle and putting it into my knee. And there's not a lot of space in that knee. And your knee is actually <laughs> encapsulated. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's it. there's a little... Closed. Yeah, it's a closed okay. and there's no room in there. There's already <laughs> and so they crank that stuff in an already small space through your oh man, it is so intense. I don't know if that's was your feeling, if it's the same in the back, but that that it was shot sore, was... but honestly it felt sort of the same as my back anyway. You know, like that night when I was right. really sore, yeah. I kinda was like, yeah. This is what it normally feels like. But I anyway. Very effective it, for my it, particular issue. Awesome, it's amazing. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, it's not even comparable. But I, the, the guys <laughs> I work with, every every guy that I've worked with for about a year, 
inevitably at some point they're going to get sick, like get a cold or the flu or something. Uh -huh. Or in the last couple of years they have COVID. And every time it happens, they get on a call and they're depressed, like super uh, depressed uh -huh. just from having to be down for a few days and, yeah. and not be at this normal yeah. rate of like how, the, how they want to be in life. That's and, tough, uh, man. Yeah. It's really it's interesting how how much our emotional well being and our sense of value in the world, yeah. in in, a, in, a, in our own world, is dependent on our ability to just feel, like move and feel good. And, yeah, and, yeah. It's, which is excellent. I'm thankful for it every day. But it is funny to like it is strange that all of our experience will probably lead to the loss of that ability at some yeah, point and we're gonna point. have to deal with that you know the, the quality uh, of our life is going to be dependent on our ability to to roll with that and deal and adapt right right right, right. Yeah. Jo, uh, yeah i think maybe maybe dad no, thought no. as a part of his calling once he was able to wrestle with it to just show his kids you know how to deal with you know a bad hand in life or, you yeah. know like how to deal with that kind of suffering and maintain a positive attitude and he might have found purpose in that you know and that allowed him to have strength. Well, it's like mm. uh, Dave, David, I've been mentioning David Goggins a lot. I sound like a Goggins <laughs> fool, but I'm, I'm not a real big Goggins guy, but he, uh -huh. there's something to him that I'm finding fascinating. And, you know, he recently had a, a meniscus surgery and the uh -huh. doc went in there and was breaking his tools on the meniscus. It was so compacted and hard. So he did, does this meniscus surgery to clean up and it totally fucked his leg. Like oh, no. what was already happening was way better than what ended up happening after the surgery. Oh no. And his adventure after that continued and he's, he's kind of started to work it out. But I really respected this one thing that he said, cause it shocked me. He goes, when he said his leg was just, his lower leg was just like a floppy worthless thing, like laying on, hanging off the, the bottom of his femur. And he's mm -hmm. like done, you know, he's, he runs hundreds of miles. Right. So, mm -hmm. He goes, he starts talking about a conversation he's having with his partner. I think it's his partner. And he goes, he goes, well, Jennifer, I guess we're just going to go back. I'm going to go to school and we're going to, we're going to change it up. And I was like, whoa, cool. I almost would love mm -hmm. to see what does David Goggins look like when he or anyone like that, who's so dependent on their body, mm -hmm. changed up big time and goes into something that's more in their mind. Not that he didn't yeah. work with his mind through his body, but you know what I mean? Right, major, yeah, that's some serious, you know, adaptability to be able yeah. to kind of roll with that punch. That's, yeah, especially Wait, somebody like do, that John? who you just, uh, what would I do? Yeah, I, I mean, because you're, I mean, you're, that's a good question. You, you know, you just literally showed us like a something, you showed us your cabin that you're building that's completely dependent on you, your body, like you're right. paying for it. That's with the your first thing split. I thought of when I, when you said that, I was like, Dude, he is dependent on his body, you know? For and sure. if something happens, that whole process stops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no denying that that's a huge loss. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so much of what makes me us who we are, what makes us fulfilled. And uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say how you would confront that. I have a reasonable confidence that, you know, when that time comes, I'll be able to to adjust. But uh i don't it, it would be a tough transition you know you've yeah and there's no there's doubt, doubt. I, i'm sure for anyone it is um uh maybe i would try writing more you know i've always tried mm -hmm. i've tried writing a few times and i just can't i haven't been able to really put it together yet so mm. you know maybe that would be something that i would 
have more time to do uh, if I could just, uh, you know, crush that ADD that gets me running around and trying to be <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> Ron, uh, Jordan has a good story. I don't know if you've, you've heard it. I just heard it last night where uh, I think it was your time in Siberia. He accidentally axed his knee and right. cut, cut a fucking ligament. Like he he was effed, oh right? Yeah. So when I went to first met up with the natives in Siberia, and I'd been in Russia a couple of years, and I met the natives. And uh, one of the big things they do is build these reindeer fences, but there are there are no nails. It's just all interlocking logs that they yeah. stack all around, and so you're cutting down, you know, thousands of these little trees, building these mm. huge like thirty kilometer fences. And I was not that experienced with an axe. Like, I was normally experienced with an axe. I grew up on a farm in Idaho. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but it was I like that, that that is like, you're like, I had an associate's degree in axes. <laughs> These guys <laughs> yeah, need a totally level. <laughs> Man, and I would, it was so funny because, you know, you're out in the middle of Siberia and you can't, there's no stores for a thousand miles and you got your pair of rubber boots and you'd be out there and then it's in the summer, so it's all swampy everywhere. And I, you're wielding your axe, and every once in a while, you'll just misstrike something. Splitting, usually when you're splitting a log long ways, and hit right. your boot. And so I hit my boot, and uh, it was really annoying. You know, I got a hole in my boot, so I tried to patch it up. Over the course of a month of building these fences, I chopped one boot, chopped the other boot. <laughs> you know, ruined my boots. The natives were like, well, you know, somewhere, I think, you know, five kilometers that way. We left a boot upside down on a stump like four years ago. So we'll go over there and get, so literally like, get a reindeer, round up a reindeer, go with this guy for like over the mountain, and sure enough, come across this old boot upside God down. Goddamn. So like, oh, sweet. And you put it on your foot. It was like too small, but it, I could put my foot in there. And so good, I had another boot. You know, I was all happy, back, back to work. And then the next day I swung and right after we'd gotten it swung and hit that boot, chopped my foot. I was just, and it was kind of funny because I was just like, no way. I was so mad that I swung my axe with one hand at the tree and it, no. ricochet, it ricocheted off and bing and deflected right into my knee and just oh hammered my, my God. knee. Oh my God. I fell Dude. over and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to look because I, my, you know, I had like a razor sharp axe and I just wham into my oh. knee. And I looked eventually and I didn't initially see the hole because it was, I felt like it was going to be giant axe wounds, but because it had hit right on that bone, right on your knee, it probably split the bone and it you know, severed this tendon almost, but I, but it didn't make a big wound. And so when I first looked, I was like, oh, maybe I didn't even, you know, how did I not cut myself? And then all of a sudden I just saw the blood like through my oh. pants and saw the hole. I was like, oh crap, I better. So I like ran back to the teepee, which was like, you know, a mile or so. You could, so you could walk. You could. I could still walk. I mean, yeah. limp, but I knew I was in yeah. shock. So I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to get Take advantage of that. Yeah. <laughs> Take advantage of the shock, get back to the teepee. <laughs> And I laid there, and I had had a <laughs> knee surgery. Like, I went to Russia too soon, really, because I had had a mm. knee surgery on my knee maybe two months before that. And I just like, like, ACL? Well, yeah, ACL meniscus yeah. tear. And then I, uh, so I had a bad knee, and I chopped my good one, and I was just, man, it actually was really painful. And at the time, of course, I didn't know I cut my tendon or anything, or I didn't, I must have <laughs> split the bone. I just don't, but I just, 
was in so much pain for several days and I just laid in the teepee. I could not, I couldn't even walk or move. I couldn't limp on either leg. So I just, I had to like poop in a plastic bag and roll over and like stuff it out of the, you know, it was just brutal. I was, uh, uh, yeah, it was a rough time, but then it, so, you know, the funny thing is, is we just rubbed pine sap on it, you know, and, <laughs> and the thing healed up faster than I would have never got infected, even though I'm out in the woods, Unfucking the real. big axe, you know, just, we just rubbed he uh actually out of a spruce tree the sap and just shoved it in there and, and it healed up it was a bit sore but it healed up and then years you know a year later or something when i was back in civilization i got an mr or a, something an x-ray on my surgery knee and i was like hey check out that other knee see what's the deal and they looked at it and i go oh you almost severed that tendon completely it was just like 10 percent of it hanging on i was like oh that's why it hurts so, so bad. <laughs> so is it still just like 10% or is it well, grown I think back? Or? She said, I, if I remember right, uh, yeah. I think they do, if they're, as long as they're still partially yeah. attached, they can heal. So Dude, that's one thing that happened mm-hmm. to me. I <clears throat> partially tore uh, a, a ligament in my knee and, but it was like, it was showing up as fine. And so years later we found out that actually half of the ligament had torn torn dangling half had reattached itself to another oh wow my knee. oh my god oh, interesting yeah so it was giving this fake sense of stability which was a quasi stability <laughs> and it was really confusing hence the prp i guess huh? Dude, i gotta okay <laughs> what, what, what's crazy real quick ron what happened over time is the other half that was attached correctly ended mm-hmm. up tearing and attaching to oh, it no. when went oh, so weird. The ligament just jumped you just got a whole different <laughs> whole different well, no, it was knee. not working <laughs> so, <laughs> so we finally went in and like you know made the correction but oh like, crazy body was is that when you, was that when you were running in college no no that was that was much much later but i was more wow. yeah but anyways just the you know anyways you were gonna say something wrong go ahead i was gonna call you both psychopaths because you're because uh <laughs> Don't the, I, I would take that the, as a compliment being put in the way side. you both uh <laughs> just like glanced over like oh I'm I'm in shock I'm just gonna take advantage of it. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> both you both of you are like, like yeah yeah take advantage you of that. Like, Doing the next ten minutes to get it done because you're gonna yeah, be, yeah that was the, okay. I mean, when you're out in the woods you know, so, with those natives it's like nobody it's the same on that show you know, nobody's gonna fix your problem except you so if I if I get if I'm laying next to this tree with my eyes my knee chopped open it's like <laughs> I only have one option still and that's to get back to camp you know and I was like and I did know it was bad and I did know that I didn't feel it yet so I was like okay I'm <laughs> that's what i always Dang. wonder if like if you get a really bad injury like being shot or something i'm like i wonder yeah. how long it would take for the pain to set in you know because i bet at first yeah. it's nothing yeah it must yeah. depend uh, yeah it must depend on the on the because uh, you definitely know when there's definitely people that get terrible injuries and it's like hurts right away and then sometimes yeah sometimes you'll do something and it just does not hurt like you think it would i yeah well, for hey, sure, I've had that experience. Mm-hmm. Jordan, there was one thing. I, I, <clears throat> so what we do is we do a little segment of this uh, podcast called The Draw, you know, like drawing back uh-huh. the, the uh-huh. bow. You know, uh-huh. We just talk a little bit about what, what we're interested in and what we're curious about and, and kind of get the ball rolling. And one thing that I've been – that I, I haven't heard before that I heard you speak about on Joe Rogan was – 
and maybe it's just because you articulated it really well, the way that your body kind of clicked into maybe a very old way of being that it was the millions of years that it's taken to create this body Mm -hmm. that it was really meant for. It it found when you were out there, uh, I think particularly in Siberia, your time in Siberia, your body sort of found you were experiencing your body in a way that seemed like that's what this body is made to do. And it was coming uh, through because you were living a life that this body was meant to live. And I really liked the way that you spoke to that. I was curious if we could maybe explore that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, definitely body wise, I'd say almost more profoundly mentally. Um, But yeah, yeah, you like physically when you live in the woods and, uh, it is pretty amazing how the combination of, you know, moving a lot, always walking up mountains, up down, you know, it, my knees, which are an issue for me, they I'll sometimes I'll go there in the first few weeks to just be limping, limping. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, I can walk as long as I want forever. And I don't, you know, wow. I don't have issues. And then you'll have things like, uh, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, it's like physically, you do get really. We talked about healthy. mentally. I think it's the type. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the type of health that's that's kind of ideal, where you're not like necessarily putting on a ton of muscle weight. You're just actually just well, like what your body's meant to be. But yeah, even more so mentally. It's, it's yeah. I don't think I w- I separate mental and physical. Right, right, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we've come to the conclusion with. (laughs) Yeah, is like for mentally well or physically well, like we're mentally strong. Because the things that that really got me were those mental things. The mental aspect, I would imagine. Yeah. Because yeah. Go ahead. Have you guys heard of a book by Dr. John Medina called Brain Rules? Uh He's a neuroscientist. It came out probably ten years ago, and one of the things he says is that our brain doesn't fully come online. Like there's a part of it that's like still offline until we hit about 11 miles of activity of walking a day because our ancestors as hunter gatherers walking over wow. terrain and going through all the savannah. I was always amazed how like alive you feel, you know, you just feel alive when you're in the woods, especially like actually in cold weather. I never would wake up and feel that groggy. Like, Oh, what do I do today? You know, you just wake up and you're like, okay, what's happening? And kind of being exposed to the elements all the time very much yep. puts you in that awake mindset. But even yeah, more yeah. so, like there's there's so many aspects of the modern world that are amazing, but we have lost some pretty core things that make us human. And I, I think one of the things about the modern world that's amazing is if done right, I think we can have the best of both worlds in some way. Like we're not going to die from a basic you know, bad knee or whatever, but we, but we can also tap into some of that. I think, uh, so you're talking about when I rode freight trains first, that was the first time I kind of got a taste of like a freedom that just mm. doesn't have schedules that doesn't have any of the obligations that are coming with modern life. And, uh, and that was pretty profound as a young person. And then well, I didn't feel that again until I went and lived with the natives in Siberia, where really you only have one. We only have to stay alive. Like that's what. Our, <laughs> that's yeah. What, that's what our goal is in life. <laughs> what a great and, gift. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so simple compared to 
all the layers that we add on top of that in, in modernity and all the scheduling and all the this and that that comes from that. And, um, and when you're out there and your goal is you wake up in the morning and you can decide that day, well, I'm going to go fishing cause we're, you know, we're going to be hungry today or I'm going to go look for the reindeer cause I want to go see if I find a moose, you know, like whatever it is, it's like, it's so directly connected to your needs that, I, I could never articulate it well, but I always just used to think it just feels so realistic. Like life just feels so, you yeah. feel so in it and alive. And I think uh, we miss a lot of that when we're always in, you know, climate controlled environments and we're always, you know, running along our schedules and we get in our very yeah. you know, this? strange <clears throat> routines. Yesterday I was listening to this one monk. I just he came across a, you know a, a little clip uh, in a, in a little mm. clip, and he was saying that um, that life happens between the the times that we we know we're gonna die, you know, and mm-hmm. we don't think about that at all. And then the place right in the middle there is kind of where the human mind is is the most happy, is the most uh, um, in harmony. Maybe it's a better way to say it. Yeah, yeah. There's a little closer, maybe a lot closer to that recognition that this moment that we're in right now could be our last, you know, it's, that's pretty Mm -hmm. cliched, but I think that when I was looking at your material and when you were having that discussion, those two, like what that monk was saying earlier and what you were saying started to link. And I said, Oh, I wonder if Jordan was more in harmony with, with himself and feeling like he was having such a, uh, like such an inline and aligned experience with his mind and his body because living closer to I'm hungry, I need to go eat is mm-hmm. doing what that monk was saying. It's closer to that. Right. You know? Right. You know, yeah, just, you're, so, you're so much less removed from, and even yeah. to talk about the mind and body connection, you know, you like, obviously our happiness and moments of joy, that's just a neural, you know, like a, a dopamine hit or whatever it is. Yeah. Serotonin and, and, uh, those are so much more aptly aligned in the woods because that's where those develop. So like when you're in that situation and you're kind of hungry and you go out and you catch a fish, it's so fulfilling. You're so excited. You know, it's just like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, you're you're all excited. Whereas it's almost hard to even replicate that feeling in the modern world. And we try to do that by, you know, buying a new car and buying a this and buying a that, but it, it's funny that just catching a fish in that situation is so much more impactful than buying a, you know, a new Lamborghini. It's just like, this is what we're meant for. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm so glad you've come on this conversation, this, this, this part of the conversation is Dan and I were talking about this in the draw um, where he was talking about having a certain amount of clothes mm-hmm. and feeling like there was no, that's right no end to the need or the, like he felt like his, his options for the, for what he wanted to wear were still, yeah. even if he doubled the amount of clothes, he had, it <laughs> yeah. still felt like a small double selection. or triple the amount of clothes and feel the same lack of feeling like you have the right thing or enough. Yeah, as, there's as something we, about our you know? psychology that's always designed to get more and something about our, you know, that primitive environment that never quite met that need. So we were able to always pursue those goals. Whereas now we just can have success so easily. Yeah. We bypass, we bypass the work and, and, right, right. and the, all the effort it takes that um, really is needed. I think for the human brain to, to like feel fulfilled. I, the, mm-hmm. 
my dad, I think one of the few times I ever saw my dad actually kill something hunting mm-hmm. was, <laughs> I was maybe 11, 11 or 12. And I got my first, uh, muzzle loader, a little 45 mm-hmm. caliber. Dude, every uh, time you say muzzle, that's the word that muzzle. I see that bell thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Are you sure you're not yeah. talking about that gun? It, it, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Muzzle. Yeah. So we were walking in this uh, river bottom in Oklahoma right before Thanksgiving. And I, I don't remember why, what, what we were doing out there. And he just, he goes, pass me a rifle. And I handed it to him. And he aims way up at the top of this giant pecan tree and shoots. And the squirrel falls out. Hmm. And he, I mean, it was maybe the best shot I'd ever seen him take before <laughs> yeah. or after. Well, hard to hit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he had just taken like the top quarter of its, of its head off. And, uh-huh. And he was so effing proud of himself. It, it, it like made it to the Thanksgiving table and like the turkey came out serious? and everything else came out. Yeah. That's amazing. But that squirrel was like the thing that he was like, you ate pumped, so pumped That's about awesome. it. Yeah. Wow. It was tiny, That's you know, it was funny. like oh, this yeah, big tiny. on the whole spread. And but he's over there like just chewing into the leg. People don't appreciate that. That's a lot harder of a shot than hitting the broad side of a bear, you know, you got to hit the yeah. <laughs> well, man, when you were uh, on alone and you were catching some of the things that you caught or hunted, that was that a, did a very similar experience as when is what we're talking about, or was it different? Oh, so much competition? so, and that's where you get the vision of like. No, I I never really thought. I mean, I it didn't feel like a competition to me. I didn't really put myself in in like I tried to stay away from the idea that I was on a show. I was just out there to survive, yeah. you know. Yeah. So felt very life and death i cannot i mean there's almost no it's hard to that's probably the most exciting day of my life like an almost emotional roller coaster day was that moose just because you know there's just you have just such a huge weight on you like you're gonna starve you're gonna starve you're gonna starve and uh and then to fail you know i'd miss the moose and i'd like you mess this and that up you mess up all these things but then you like learn your lessons and retry something else and then something finally works and you get this opportunity and you make the shot and it's like oh my gosh i hit that moose really well i saw bubbly blood like oh i I hit it in the lungs it's gonna go down and and then uh and then i lost the blood trail and then i couldn't find the moose and couldn't see any tracks and you know you're just going and then you're just like, no way am I going to lose this moose. This is terrible. And so then you just have this emotional roller coaster. Then I finally found the moose, but it wasn't dead. And, and I couldn't get close enough to finish it off. And so I just had to watch. And then it would stand up and you'd think, oh, no, it's going to run away. And then it would lay back down. And you're like, yes. And then it would stand up. And it went on for a long time. And then finally it died. And uh, boy, just the, it is a, you are the amount of joy is just hard to, I mean, how do you replicate yeah. that? I don't know. But it, it, so, yeah, it was very much, you're very much in the mode that we're talking about. And, and it's funny, you know, the other weird thing is that kind of joy is almost available to you every day, you know, because then, yeah. you know, a few days later, it's like, shoot, I better go get some fish. Cause, and so you go out and then you catch a big fish. And you're just like, yes, you know, I guess like, but how do i don't know it's it's irreplicatable in the modern world for some reason but there's also that pressure that is like you might starve so it kind of comes hand in hand with those joys having mm -hmm. some kind of you know 
risk involved or something. You know, that's what it is, man. On. I think it's mm-hmm. that there. There's a thing that that I've experienced. It's we're talking about fishing, and that I'm a painter, and uh-huh. my survival greatly depends on creating and selling paintings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And every time I put a post out. I finish a painting, which I put a lot of work into, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but putting that, putting it out into the world, whether that's in a gallery space or a post, I, I just view it as fishing, you know, Uh get your lines in the water, get good bait on that line. You Uh know, that process is, is, is important, you know, but, but the feeling I get when someone, especially when a stranger, you know, um, well, that's not really true. It's the same feeling. It's right. totally the same feeling. I'm like, oh, I, that's cool I, to connect that. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I and I know how much I get. I know how much I I need to survive money because that's what mm-hmm. I'm with money. And I know how much I get for paintings. And I just look at it as time, just like food. Yeah. You know, yeah. I bet you you must have looked like looked at some of the catches you got in that way. Okay, I've got two days of food. Like, yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> three more weeks from selling this one painting of right. creating paintings and living and and it's funny because the pressure is never really off because and i thought about that shoot i just got yeah. a booth and i was like <laughs> you know i got some time but this yeah. is just never ending i'm just gonna have to continue to produce and well, that's it's cool to relate it to that to your situation in that well way. you know really your, your story uh, yesterday and i know you were going to say something wrong just real, real quick uh just the way you were speaking uh, about your survival time in Siberia and now in in uh, alone show is just how can how can I live the brain chemistry that cre- is created in those environments in this crazy modern environment is it possible and, and just slowly get this thing online and you know I think mm-hmm. that um, you know I was I was curious uh, you know how you might be doing that in your in your life too and. You know, if mm-hmm. you're able to bring more back, but anyways, I knew you were saying going to say something wrong too. Well, I was going to tell you, there's a, there's actually a theory. You may have heard this, um, Jordan, about uh, ADHD, where <clears throat> you know, there's no one really knows why we have it or what what causes it. There's like the correlations they can tell, like if your parents had it, you're more likely to have it. If you experienced childhood trauma, you're more likely to have it. Mm-hmm. But there's a theory I, I really like. I don't, maybe it's just because I like the idea that it's actually a hunter brain that hasn't evolved that in that, mm-hmm. that there was a split in the in the brain evolution when we started to uh farm mm-hmm. and that a certain amount of the population was like oh i can do this thing farming over and over and over again and i don't mind it and yeah it rewarded a certain type of yeah yeah brain makeup Hmm. And yeah. then the hunter brain was like, nope, I'm still, I still need to like move over terrain and find things wow. and, and recognize yeah. patterns. And, and, and I, that, I don't know if it's sure or not, but it makes sense to me. It, totally. It, it's like it different, resonates different with me. cultural context reward. It's like in our modern world, yeah. you know, intelligence is so highly re- rewarded. Whereas a hundred years ago and almost all prior, being physically strong and you know, be able to yeah. plow the field was so much more of a benefit to your daily life. That's kind of where work was kind of monotonous and you didn't need all that. It's like, uh, you know, and now we're in a, so yeah, what, how your societal setup benefits or de- is a detriment to certain brain chemistries I'd imagine. Yeah. And I'm, modern it's life funny. is sedentary. I'm, I'm really torn about the, uh, access to wilderness. Um, 
selfishly because mm-hmm. because I you know we're talking about how good it is to be outside and all those things and I mm-hmm. and it's like I want everyone to experience that but I also like don't want to see anybody when I go out. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so true. And, and uh, I mean, that's I I was I rock climbed for twenty years and like oh, really good. into it, like super yeah, yeah. into it. And and the longer I was in in it, the more impact I saw people had outside, and and then just you couldn't go outside without being being around people, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ah, it's, uh, it's selfish. I get it, but mm-hmm. I, I I want everyone to enjoy it, but I also like don't want to have to see anybody. Right. And it's a it's a I'm torn with that because there is a huge benefit to being outside. There's a huge benefit to understanding what it takes to have that grit. Mm-hmm. You haven't used that word, but that's. Um, pretty evident that that's what you've experienced mm-hmm. just the ex- rubbing tree sap on your knee yeah uh, just the extent that how the body seems to come online you know yeah, in the mind right. it's, it's just so like powerful that that's fascinating and i think that's what this cold plunging because you think about like how cold right. plunging is this big deal and i was like mm-hmm. yeah for millions of years hot water was probably pretty fucking rare especially enough oh, yeah. hot water for you to get your body in so our bodies are probably yeah. wired to bathe in cold water every day you know yeah. right, right i mean i, I spent a well, I spent I was... two months in africa and and had Hot, access to hot water one time <laughs> and I was like yeah. whoa what is this this is yeah. crazy <laughs> i was reading yeah. I, I think it was oh shoot now i can't remember his name it was one of those native american chiefs you know when he was young he was talking about <laughs> how his his dad would always make him go out in the cold you know and mm. force him into the water and and toughen them up to the cold because they knew they were going to be facing that throughout their life. And, you know, and then as adults or whatever, or even teenagers, they could go out in the snow and walk barefoot kind of indefinitely, wow. you know, as it's just yeah. so far from what we'd be able to do. Yeah, we were way more accustomed to having to deal with cold. And that is one thing about the cold that I do really realize is it just makes me feel, it makes you feel really alive. You're just, like I said, yeah. you have to kind of be aware and online and and uh but it so it's naturally kind of life-giving in that way yesterday we had our first freeze of the year here uh where i live Mm -hmm. and and i I decided to ride my bike uh to my day's day's work out you know at a little pub or cafe and so i um one of my favorite things to do is to get my body temperature up in cold weather and you feel like you feel like you're doing like you're cheating a little bit because your body temperature is raised, so you don't need as many clothes. But right. you're in the cold, and I was right. a distance runner for a long time, and and I was a competitive distance runner. We would go on these crazy runs where you're running like six minute pace for 15 miles, you know, ish. Wow. And so, <laughs> but it would be like Gosh. 40 degrees sometimes, and shirt would come off. No, oh, yeah. you really have any shorts, and you just feel like, like a super. I don't know. There's something it, and you know if you stop for oh, yeah. 15 minutes you're fucked right but yeah, if you yeah. don't stop you're in the flow and last <laughs> night i was riding back home and it was after dark and i was so cold getting on my bike and five minutes later i've got that feeling and the stars were out and That's i was so cool. kind of rolling cool. and i was like yeah. dude i felt like i was on a planet and my mind started <laughs> to open up my imagination was more accessible and i was just like mm-hmm. wow this is just a little chemistry change you know you were talking about that earlier about you know you're an artist and uh not an artist like i uh my wife makes fun of me for my lack of artistry, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, but it was really interesting when I was in, 
on the loan, it's, it's one of the things that struck me was, um, you know, I'd have a problem of some sort, like, okay, there's a Wolverine getting into my food. What do I do? And then you'd have to come up with a solution and then it wouldn't work. And you come up with a new solution. It would. And there's so many of these little issues on every level and you're just, and it's not like I knew everything to, for every problem that would come up. It's like for half the things that came up, it would be me trying to creatively devise a solution. And it was like, Oh, this is interesting. This is like creativity and it's, infancy like i just felt like <laughs> i've never infancy. viewed myself as an artist but then i was like oh this is a form of art in a way and this is how that creativity developed is just this problem solving and and constantly being confronted with a problem and having to just come up with a solution and then yeah. you try one and it fails and you try another one and it works and you, know, and you learn and it's pretty neat to just see that you know yeah the infancy of creativity kind of there where it developed into cathedrals and such now you well, know. It's, yeah it's funny you mentioned yeah. cathedrals because <clears throat> excuse me you're you're building a cabin right behind you right outside of the uh-huh. place you're in right uh-huh. uh, i don't know i since i've been a kid i love working with wood but i'm terrible mm-hmm. at it it just doesn't come naturally you know but yeah, i love yeah. it uh, hours can go by and then when I started painting, I realized some people make their own stretcher bars, you know, for their canvases, or they make their own uh-huh. panels, you know, uh-huh. when you're painting uh-huh. wood, and that can extend to frames. And so uh-huh. I have access to a makerspace uh, in my situation now, and fucking, I just started doing all that, and then I realized, oh my god, I just figured out another way to get aligned with more with my body and mind really like because I can paint, which is a little more heady. Um, mm-hmm. and internal, but then I can just go and move my body and build shit, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. awesome, you know, and the guy, and when I first started making my own frames, the guy who was helping me, he goes, he's like, don't make your own frames. You want to be an artist? You want to be a frame maker? And I was like, no, I need to be both. And he's yeah, like, yeah, oh, okay. And he says, come over here. And then now I know how to like <laughs> run all these saws and stuff and I'm so much happier, you know? Yeah, that's cool. I like it. Yeah. My, my wife got to, um, walk the Camino de Santiago this last year. Do you know what that uh-huh. is? Is that the pilgrimage? Yeah, it's yeah, the pilgrimage yeah. Oh, cool. in, uh, in northern Spain. It starts Amazing. in France. Mm-hmm. And it's, fi- it's 500 miles. Mm-hmm. It took her 40 days. That's neat. And, and the whole time she would text me, she's like, this is so simple. I'm the happiest I've been in a long, long, <laughs> That's long so time. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And her, and it just this, you know, our, 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 stuckness to like you said earlier schedules and and everything else that's happening in modern stuff and and like she's like the best days of, of my of my journey there were like we get to the end of the day sit by a fire inside some little um hovel and yeah. somebody found a guitar in the corner and would play the guitar Incredible. and we'd all sing together yeah. Yeah. and everyone spoke a different language so some people only knew the words to a Beatles song in english and that's it mm-hmm. and, and they'd get after it yeah um, it's so cool that's it yeah, we're so yeah. distracted all the time now that we can never really delve into our deep inner selves. So going on a pilgrimage like that is just that much more powerful even yeah. now because all of a sudden she was disconnected and able to, like when she met somebody at the end of the day, like truly connect with them and 
talk and you know yeah. that's pretty neat S- yeah. since she's been back here i've seen i've heard her say a couple of times she's like oh god the magic of the camino is wearing off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> it's hard to replace like, with likes and comments <laughs> oh dude it's rough we're, we're really we live in i mean we live in downtown portland I mean, we've been oh, through yeah. you know all the ups and downs of the city but we also right. live next to the largest uh urban park in the country uh-huh. we've we've actually walked the longest it's trail, actually not miles. true by the way is it's it what? not dude it's like 22 it's, it's 22nd <laughs> i just a quick pause quick pause. are we about to get in a fight daniel <laughs> pause man i i'm this is good this is good i'm this yeah, is very dear to my heart so there i'm not trying to bogart this this is this is a cool yeah. little portland chico connection so chico has a park called bidwell park and i always used to say it was the third largest uh, municipal park in the country third largest and then sometimes said people said second sometimes people said largest so my whole life third largest third lar- third largest and i looked it up a few years ago and it was 24. And guess, <laughs> the 24th largest 24th. in the country and guess what was 22 forest park in portland what yeah so you gotta update your <laughs> shit man I'm yeah. sorry to break oh, it to you. I know it's a heartbreaker, but I don't want it to sound terrible. <laughs> Anyways, I, I've well, been living a lie. Well, that's pretty lie. good, though, that even at 22, it's enormous enough to walk 30 miles. Huge. Huh? It's huge. It's totally. huge. There's mountain lion up there. There's coyotes. There's deer. Like, it's no it's, kidding. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. Flying squirrel. I've seen, I've seen uh, spotted owl up there. Um, but it's, flying it, squirrel? It, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and that's our reset because we can walk up there within two miles. Uh, under two miles we can be in you know there's some old, old growth up there I mean, it's it's fascinating and we can right. both tell like that's a it's a hard reset for our brains just to be able to go spend a couple hours up there and, and mm-hmm. it's a I, I, though i think the only reason i can live in an urban environment is because i have access to that yeah i would so, i would think so yeah yeah so Jordan, yeah. have how do you having had such an acute experience of coming online in your in your body and in your mind a mm-hmm. couple times in life maybe more uh how do you balance that with modern modernity um yeah definitely so we're all on a journey and i'm not there yet uh, but i am trying to uh it's funny because i've got so i'll tell you some of the things i do do i i, I don't think there's any way to just it's so important for me to have the woods and be able to go in in the bush, you know, of some sort. Um, and when I was living in Virginia, I was in town. And uh, one of the ways I would just tap into that was, you know, urban archery was one of those things that to me felt really like life giving. Cause I could just yep. go out, be quiet, sit in the woods, watch the animals, try to sneak up on, one, you know, things like that. Also collecting like edible greens out of empty lots and stuff you know, different edible plants or looking for mushrooms, all those things that got me out. Uh, My buddy, it's not something I did a lot, but my buddy would always just go try to dig up old bottles out of like old, you know, ruins and stuff. And uh, and there's all these things that get you out. When you're out, that's when like you have the opportunity to come online in that way. (laughs) And um, (laughs) we'd go out and dive in the river and look for, old junk and you know where there's flat rock and there's a little crease in the rock a lot of times old coins or civil war things like that would collect there you'd get them out just things like that that would put you out in an environment now i really try to like one of the big things i try to do and to try to help the kids get into it is go out in the woods with the family 
for extended periods of time for like a week to two weeks mm-hmm. at a time. Cause I want to, not everyone's going to have access to the outdoors all the time. And, you know, maybe my daughter's going to grow up and want to move to New York city and want to do this thing. But I think it's so important to uh, go in the woods long enough to where you feel like it can be home. Like, and mm-hmm. then, yeah. and all the psychological benefits attendant with that. Once you have them, in a way it can't go away. Like it's always in your back pocket, you know, like you can always go, Oh, you had a bad relationship or a bad, this or that, you can always go up in the woods and kind of hit that reset button, simplify everything down. (laughs) And then, um, so I think it's a really powerful tool to have to be able to get that tool. You kind of need to foster that ability. And I do think you got to go up for several days to where you almost think like, in the evening you're out doing something and you're like, I want to go home. But what in your mind isn't thinking of your house, your mind's thinking of like, you know, that sleeping bag under the tree and, you know, and, and or like it's just where that is your home, where the weather is just a part of what you're dealing with every day. Um, and I, I think if you, even if you can only manage that once a year, I think it's, it's totally worth doing. Um, where I have, a, where I struggle is I think what's probably the worst for tapping into that is social media and like, you know, the internet as Why is in that, that in, in its attention economy. And as much as it's like oh. robbing you of your attention, because, uh, and it's something I struggle with. Cause now if boy, if I could just knowing what I know, I would quit Instagram right away because it, it kind of robs me of my, my like, immersion into life <laughs> and, do, you, do and, you mean like you get you get caught doom scrolling where you're just like mindlessly I don't really scrolling scroll or? a lot but uh but because i have a fair you know decent size instagram it's like i do like yeah. to reply to people it mm. is a really cool thing it's like it's allowed yeah. me to meet up yeah. with you guys it's allowed me to make so many connections and do yeah. what i really love which is like take people in the woods and run these mm. outdoor courses oh. but it comes with this whole thing and it's hardly something i can complain about it's not coal mining you know like it's it's fine i'll be all right (laughs) Right, but it is it is something that i that i do recognize that it keeps me from being able to fully implement the lessons that i know but i guess that's just something that you give and take Mm, with if i was somebody that didn't have wasn't reliant on social media for their business i would actually recommend you kind of get rid of it because i do or somehow i just don't know if it's possible somehow limit its use in a way (laughs) way you know that uh it's it's a tough it's a tough thing my my wife and i've built businesses off social media and 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 we both are like really reluctant to say that we like it at all well did morgan get off of like stop her instagram she's back i mean she (laughs) she like paused her account for a while Um, yeah it's hard it's hard because it is awesome like for business it allows I can't believe that I get to take people in the wilderness for a yeah. living. And it's something I really love. And it's something I think is really important. Well, you know, but in order to, in order to get that word out there, you kind of have to have a presence. And so then it yeah. is uh, it's a, a mixed bag. All I'm saying is that, that that's something in our modern world that is working against this mindset that we're discussing that, that, that is really important to tap into. And I think if we're, the more we allow, you know, you give the devil a foothold in that situation. It's just, 
it's really hard to manage. Yeah. And that's the case. I mean, it's for a me super too, powerful so. tool. It I, is. I kind of wonder is. if if there's like a, a, a um, if it's analogous to like alcohol, right? Like alcohol, right? When when it first was it produced so as a technology, like mm-hmm. it, you know, you could drink water where you couldn't before, mm-hmm. and and it yeah. you know provided right, a lot right, of sustenance right, right. for for humanity. And then at a certain point, it became a bane bane of a lot of people's existence. Everything in moderation. I just think it's really hard for us to maintain moderation given the you know how well they figured out human psychology yeah. and tactics yeah. to try to keep us online. But totally. Well, Jordan, you know another thing that I'm I'm hearing from you is that. You know, we talk about the journey, you know, the hero's journey. Um, uh-huh. And uh, one of the last steps of that is, you know, the return uh, with the boon. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reluctance, a reluctance. Sometimes there's a reluctance, as I understand it, to go on the journey. There's a refusal of that call. And then mm-hmm. and then there's also a refusal of the return, which isn't talked about yeah. as much, but it is. That's what great. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sacrifice because you don't get to live the pure boon you have to make a sacrifice to break right. yeah that's true I, I appreciate that input that's uh yeah i guess that's kind of where i feel like i'm at but i um yeah all that to say there are definitely things you can implement i think for a lot of people i think at least in the circles i run in i think hunting is kind of that for them it, it's something that Forces them out there, outdoors, forces them to be aware, puts them in uncomfortable situations and high. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many other things. I think mushroom, like if you're mushroom hunting, get into a little club. Another thing social media is great for, you know, find Mm. other people that are into mushroom hunting in your area and go out and learn about that. And it's it's funny because things you turn your attention to enrich your life. So I mean, that's why people get into bird watching. It seems so, well, why would you be that interested? Well, once you start paying attention, you'll see why. And it's the same with my wife read some book on moss and then was telling me about the different types of mosses. And then I found myself like, oh, wow, interesting. I'm up in the woods and all of a sudden, this is cool. You know, I'm interested in this moss. It was something I would have walked right past before. Or like learning all the types of trees and the useful plants. When you first go out, it's just a bunch of green. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, neat, there's, you know, this plant or there's that plant. And it makes the whole experience rich, more rich, your whole outdoor experience. So I think learning, going down some of those paths to learning, to enrich the environment, just helps you enjoy it that much more. Um, There's a cool, go ahead, go ahead. You're right. That's it. There's a cool story about this psychologist. Uh, He's kind of like a pretty popular experience psychologist died recently. And, and he was telling the story about a client of his, where the client was just kind of an asshole and was very closed off to the suggestions that the uh, psychologist was making. He was very contrarian. And so one day the uh, psychologist uh, suggested to do something like to make a ritual out of some uh, thing that they were talking about, bring it into the real world and, and let's, let's start working on this. And the guy just was badgering the psychologist and questioning it and goes, well, what should I do? And the psychologist just didn't even think about it. And he says, go look at the bark of 10 trees, you know, but he said it kind of just like spitefully, like he came up with a different <laughs> thing, right? And, and it just kind of hit the guy in a weird way and stopped the conversation. And the guy was kind of looking at him and he just sort of got up and left. And the guy comes back three, three hours later and he's like a different part of his personality. He goes, you wouldn't know how interesting the bark is on trees. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, totally, it up. Totally. I was like, that's exactly what you're talking about. Things we walk by every day, you know? <laughs> That's, That's good. I, I 
right out of high school, my my best friend and I spent six weeks through Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, doing like four day, five day out and backs. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. backpack, backpacking cool. trips, mm-hmm. and and I stopped so often to like look at a flower, look at a decaying <laughs> animal, like whatever. He would get right. super mad at me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? Really? You're out here. Like, no, check it's out, it's out, man. You get the, like, you're like, out there. I do that when I backpack. Like I have a tendency to walk really fast. And then hmm. uh, it's something I've had to actually learn. Like, oh man, we are there. You know, we're already there. I know we're trying yeah. to get through this lake, but don't be afraid to like sit down and just appreciate Man. where we're at and like pay attention. True. It's like this whole place is, is where we are, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I would have a, I'm a naturally have that tendency to sometimes just run into like, you walk fast, get places. And then yeah. sometimes yeah. I'm like, Oh, wait a second. This is really you, cool. Two, two elk seasons ago was the first time I ever hunted out of, out of a, out of a tree stand. Mm-hmm. And, and, I didn't want to. I've, I've always never, I've never liked <laughs> right. the idea of hunting out of a tree stand. And right. someone offered me theirs. And I was like, okay, I'll spend the, yeah, the day there. Try it out. Right. And I actually really liked it. Not for different reasons, but right, kind of right. for the reason you're so talking still about. This observation. I just yeah. like, I got to know this one area wow. really well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got to know like the squirrel family there. I got to right. like, see, like where the elk were coming in and hanging out in this bog and, and it was like, oh, this is a neighborhood. This is like where certain things kind of happen. And and yeah. normally, like like you, I'm walking, 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 and I and I'm just, I might sit down for lunch or I might sit down for mm-hmm, a break yeah. or something and kind of hang out there. But I wouldn't really get to know it, and my brain would always look for the new, right? Especially if I if I had a map and I'm like, what's over that ridge? What's right, over right, that right. Down this draw and all those things. You know. Jordan, a gift, man. Ron has this uh, uh, exercise experience. Uh, exercise makes it a little sound a little clinical. It takes the soul out of it, but he does this thing. <laughs> I'll call it an exercise. <laughs> well, Ron has a really powerful ability to be very present. It's it's actually, I don't think I've ever said that to you, but it's something I've noticed as we spent more and more time together. And I know you experience ADHD and, and there are a lot of not present, you know, times that you're having but i've noticed that among the people that i know you're you have the ability to be acutely drop in and present as much as anyone i've ever seen that's cool one of the things that ron does is he'll go out into nature and close his eyes and try to identify as many birds as he can and their locations and and he, noticing if there's two birds that are the same but in different locations you know what i mean uh-huh, uh-huh. and the way he talks about it i've shared it with people and then they come back to me and say that they do it <laughs> and how much it's that the bark on 10 trees experience people come back right. and surprised by their ability to do it first first of all right mm-hmm. and how much variation and variety there is in the place that's that interesting because i reminds obviously that's been a a learned skill for you to be present it probably didn't come naturally but that uh yeah, as a baby, he and was I a, find that for place. certain people, for myself included, like I just you know, it's a big fad. Everybody does the meditating, and I, I've tried, and I just don't find <laughs> yeah. it to be. I just don't like it for whatever reason. And then, yeah. but I find myself to be in such a prayerful and meditative state in the woods. You know, like I, it's, yeah. But it's kind of a active meditation or whatever. Yeah. You kind of like get out there and. You're just so present and aware, and <laughs> it's all the things that you might be. Oh, 
from someone having not, I am no guru of meditation, so I don't know what you get, <laughs> but yeah. it is what I would imagine that's a similar experience. Yeah. Just being able to be out there and be present and all at, at once with your thoughts and also with the environment around you. Is yeah. Cool. I, I'd say it's a little similar. We actually just mm-hmm. had a, a, a Tibetan nun, uh, who's been an ordained nun for 40, 40 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure it was our, our last guest. guest. She's oh, interesting. Yeah. Right on. Man. And she's a yeah, fucking yeah. Jordan real quick, Ron. She's the fastest talker I've ever heard in my life. And she she's so salty. She's, like yeah, real salty. She's like, <laughs> a lot of head, got the rope. Yeah. Oh man. And then she's like, she's like, fuck this. I want to make a million dollars. Like I, you know, but she's a full on ordained, like, uh, you know, in the llama hood. She's not a llama, but uh-huh. Right, right. She's, it's her well, whole thing. What I was going <laughs> to say, Jordan, is, is um, I didn't, uh, you have, you have, what you do have access to and have had access to in the past mm-hmm. is, even if you haven't meditated, is the gift of silence and aloneness. Oh, yeah. And yeah. most of us will not get that. Mm-hmm. And I've only had a few experiences in my life, a few times where I've had more than 24 hours completely alone mm-hmm. and, and then, and then really even wrong? smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean like Whoa. away from every human being, I, I'm not talking about at home. I mean like there's right. no one else around and, yeah, okay, and in silence. And I, and I think one of the first times that happened to me was maybe 12, 13 years ago at a, at a place called the Abbey Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. which is where Thomas Merton, who was a Christian oh, cool. uh, um, yeah. uh, monk in the fifties. Uh-huh. Uh, and they have, it's a, they, the, all the monks there take a vow of silence and it's on like uh-huh. a couple hundred acres in rural Kentucky. Awesome, and, um, and I remember go- thinking like my brain is frying out here because <laughs> I didn't realize how much unprocessed thoughts yeah. around out there. And, I think it's prob- amazing. It's amazing to be alone and, and see what pops in your head. You would never even know what it was until you're really? in that situation. Really? You've had a lot of experience so, like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the first time I was alone for a long time was riding trains. At one point, I went by yeah. myself. And, yeah. and that was, but, but the one that really struck me, I think, when I was fur trapping at one point in Siberia, you know, this guy kind of showed me the ropes, and he hadn't been out for some years on these trap lines, but he basically was like on a map, like here's one cabin, there's one, there's one, like go open all those traps and I'll see you in a few weeks, you know, and he's going to go a different direction. So I was just out in the wilderness in Siberia for a few, it was, I think of five weeks that ended up being just opening all these traps. And it was something because it's probably three weeks in and you know, you have all these thoughts. You start thinking about, Oh, that was a conversation I should have had with that person. Mm. And I didn't. And, and all that stuff starts coming up. And then uh, at one point I walked into a really beautiful patch of forest and I was just like, wow. I think that's what I just said, like, wow. And I was like, oh, wow. That was like the first time I've heard my voice or any human voice in like three weeks because I hadn't said anything. I was just cruising around on my skis, very active thought life. But I was like, oh, wow, I haven't actually heard a thing in like a human until I just said, wow. And then surprised myself with my voice. <laughs> Super weird. And then, uh, but it's, uh, it is amazing when you get it. And of course alone is an, an example of that. Just how, uh, what pops up in your head. And most people don't even know because they've never, uh, put themselves in that position. So I'd imagine a lot of people who have a lot 
of skeletons in their closet and unresolved issues that they've just on part of them might not even realize that it is an unresolved issue unless they at some point give themselves that space. And then all of a sudden you'll see, you'll see what's popping in your head and you're like, Oh, I didn't even realize it was so funny on a loan. I was so annoyed, but not annoyed, but I just thought way too much about, I had this one Russian friend and his dad, just this old Russian guy that made his own wine and uh, just super classic Russian. And I just really always appreciated him and liked him. And I was like, why didn't I ever tell him that I appreciated him? And then, uh, and I would just think about that a, l- a lot out there. And I was like, ah, oh, such a petty little thing, but it just holds you accountable in that, in that yeah. way. And I can yeah. imagine if you have really big issues, you know, if you're cheating on your wife or if you're doing, you know what? It's like, that stuff's just not going to set well with you. You, you. you will have to wrestle with that stuff. And, uh, and a lot of people just don't ever have enough space to have to confront that, those, you know issues well even so even in paper them over in life yeah there, there's a there is a need uh to to sit with our thoughts and sit with everything that's been rolling around in there daniel i talk about kind of kind of pretty often together is is giving ourselves space to think about our life and to mm-hmm. you know deal with all the things you're kind of talking about and i think that's kind of one of the the big unfortunate um things that we have easy access to in the world is to is the things that separate us from our thoughts oh yeah and we and we can in the blink of an eye have something that's super powerful whether it's digital media or food you know or drugs or alcohol whatever it might be to completely remove ourselves from even even those kinds of thoughts of like man i should have said that to somebody you know oh absolutely I've been having a really interesting uh, situation happen that I haven't really spoken about, but that I'm realizing what you're all talking about, what we're talking about is causing it. And it's this, I do this thing where I'll take all the things I've been putting off and put them on a list and then smash that list. And I've been doing that for a while. And I used to do it once a month, you know, a couple of years ago. And then that's coming mm-hmm. to being like several times a week now. Well, what happens I notice is when those things are done, that is to say a bunch of stuff that was on my mind is now not on my mind. When Mm -hmm. I have that, that time at the end of the day, what has been happening is I get all these fucking ideas. They're new ideas. And they're the ones you're talking about, Jordan, where you're like, Oh, I need to have that conversation with that person. Oh, I should express gratitude to this person. And they're like little things. But the thing is, I think that what's been creating that, cause it's weird. Like it'll keep me up uh-huh. and then I'll just be making notes on all this. Cool yeah, yeah, yeah. That I do. Right. And right. it's like, Oh, I think what's happening is, is a version of what y'all are talking about, you know, where mm-hmm. you, there's a, there's a sense of, I've gotten a bunch of stuff off my mind. Any way you can do it, get present somewhere yeah. in my, in my, the best way I've found is do the things you've been putting off. That's a great right. way. Shit off right, your right. You know what I so mean? it's not just solid. taking up space. You yeah, you've dealt know. with yeah. it. Taking yeah. up that space, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. solid. I want to take a, a, a bit of a turn here because one of the things Daniel talked about uh, before you came on um, was, I can't remember if it was in the draw, Daniel, or before we talked, but uh, a little bit about how you present your faith. Dude, mm-hmm. I was just about to mention that too, Ron. Yeah. Yeah. I come from an evangelical, evangelical background. I, I grew up, you know, three days, a three days a week in church and, mm-hmm. and actually went to school to go in the ministry cool. and have, have not been active in that world for, um, five years, six years. Right. Now. Right. Um, but I still consider myself a person of faith in some regards. Right. Um, I pray every day. Um, 
but I don't, I, my values and the way that I, I showed up in the world uh, around my faith have changed a lot, a tremendous mm -hmm. amount. And, mm -hmm. and Daniel, Daniel was, you know, I don't want to steal your words, Daniel, but you said something no, about well, Jordan that there was this thing that you did in the conversation. Well, thanks for bringing it back around to that, Ron. I, yeah. That was, that was important to me to, to arrive to this place. And I know we're getting close to being done here, but, um, the the way that you spoke about Christianity when you were with Joe was this moment mm -hmm. that I so appreciated, and because Christianity has a lot of baggage on it, and there's mm -hmm. and it's uh, very misunderstood, misused by a lot. But that doesn't mean that it's misunderstood and misused by everybody. And I'm not mm -hmm. Christian, and mm -hmm. I, I'm not a proponent of Christianity. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a proponent in, in particular. I'm a proponent of people relinking mm -hmm. the word religion is religios relink it's a mm -hmm. word that means to relink yeah. to the thing that is like bigger that. than us you know yeah. mm -hmm. well you said something to the effect of because <clears throat> joe asked you a question around <clears throat> around <laughs> this is a great line around something <laughs> and he asked you a question. <laughs> nice <laughs> and for some reason it's appropriate you part of your answer was was about your or your faith and you said uh -huh that you had you felt always felt the need to caveat it as soon as you said that i was like ooh because I, I always want christian people to do that and then you said the caveats you had were also super aligned you were like you know i know that christianity can for a lot of people means a lot of shame and then mm -hmm. you said that it can also mean a lot of different things to different people and that's mm -hmm. all i have to say i just really appreciated you like <laughs> qualifier tipping your cap to other people and it was right. great man that was awesome yeah, it's a, like I think you know, like I was saying before, we're just all kind of on a journey, and it you know, you, we start our journey on different places. If you start in the, uh, I mean, I I think Christianity is so valuable, and so uh, I mean, the core messages of love one another, love your neighbor, the like, the natural, love your enemy, like these things that put a nap. Love yourself. I know. No, it's like no, 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 all no, no, no. Don't do that. that <laughs> but they're like, <laughs> I find in my, so I've found a lot of people do struggle with the fact that they were raised and they were told, you know, they're, you know, you're all a sinner and this and that. And, th and they get all this guilt baggage. Or maybe yeah. they were just told, you know what, the earth's 6,000 years old and that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then as you grow up, you just realize uh, that it, it does come with a lot of extra baggage for some, for people, for me and my personal walk, it's been a, a, uh, for some reason that the, the, those sticky aspects, that baggage has not, has not affected me so much. And I've been able to see the beauty on the other side of that yeah. and just see like how powerful it is to have uh, this foundational framework that, that puts into the world that our goal is to you know love one another and to like and it, yeah. it's like very anti-ego like i definitely think a lot of we have all it has these commands that are like like love your enemy and then i'll be in so many situations where i think that's impossible but the fact that i'm now forced to wrestle with that you know <laughs> it, it, yeah. it makes me not just naturally hate my enemy you know like i gotta i have to wrestle with this and I don't know where I'll come out on the other side, but that whole <laughs> wrestling, that whole wrestling part of that is where I feel what I call a relationship with God. You know, I guess like, it's, like mm -hmm. it's because I'm allowing this thing to yeah. speak into my life, even though 
I, at this point in my life, would say I know a lot less than, than uh, you know, there's that idea of negative theology. Everything we say about God is probably wrong because he's way beyond our uh, comprehension. So every time yeah. we try to put him in a box, we're failing somehow. And yeah. I think as you grow up as an evangelical, you get put in a lot of boxes, mm-hmm. or God does. And uh, all the way down to, you know, you know God's political party and you know God's view right. on yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, my God, my God in the '90s stopped paying taxes and thought Bill Clinton was the Antichrist. <laughs> right, and so, uh, but he's so much bigger than that. But then, but I've seen a lot of people kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, which I actually yeah. completely understand. But I, I'm always just like, ah, darn, you know, because I, I feel there's so much value there, and I don't, I, I don't want to see it go away. I just want to see people wrestle with it i guess in that and yeah there's I, I, for the mm-hmm. sake of time i i, I, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about something else with this man because mm-hmm. it's connected it's still connected and, mm-hmm. and one is an observation that's in, in in that you have at least a natural and it's probably from your years of your own relationship with god mm-hmm. maybe your family and more mm-hmm. but there's there's it's obvious you don't you you don't have a natural or or quick connection to resentment you know mm-hmm. feeling like something owes you something or any of those things mm-hmm. do you think some of that is due to the your family's heritage coming out of of war like it i yeah i, 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 I was trying to, so. like I, yeah. it, that's another well that's something that my faith has forced me to rec- wrestle with it was really interesting to me growing up you know we are um it's kind of complicated we're assyrians which is not syrians it's like assyrians but they're like a uh-huh. Now, they're like this Aramaic speakers from the Middle East, predominantly Christian. So during the Armenian genocide, most of those people were also killed. Like basically... uh, A million and a half people were murdered. A million and a half. So in that whole Turkey for the Turks like movement, they killed pretty much everyone that wasn't Turkish slash Muslim in Turkey. And so my both of my grandparents were orphaned. And so my, my... grandfather's last name which should be my last name it got changed during immigration mm. through document mistakes but it was Dashtu, and like all of the Dashtus except my grandpa were killed so there was just no more mm. except one my grandpa and actually one nephew he had that survived who ended up becoming a priest in iran in the 60s but the uh wow. uh the amount of death and suffering that they went through is just indescribable the stories that i do know are just you just can't even picture it at all. And uh, and then I saw, I didn't know my grandparents. They died before I, you know, was around. But I knew my 11 aunts and uncles. And it was so weird because the biggest, the most joyful times of my childhood were these big Jonas family reunions where all my uncles and aunts would get together and everybody was, you know, just fun. They were fun, joyful people like my dad, you know, that's uh, how he went through his suffering and, was able to tap into joy and um and one thing that i only realized later when i was an adult i I mean i heard all our stories my grandparents stories i knew about them but i never they never really talked about much who did them you know like i didn't i didn't i wasn't like implanted i I had to like learn my Mm. history and that like oh that's the turks that did that and then i was like then I had to wrestle with that in myself. Like, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, then I feel a little bit like, uh, I have this, like, chip on my shoulder on that. 
but then I, but then that's so you know where is do I wrestle with my faith or not? It's like do I love my enemies? You know, even oh, though, right. and then it's like yeah. that's where I have to implant that because I can actually look at the world today and there's still a lot of issues in that part of the world and people that I feel like an affinity for. You know, Armenia's today like being threatened by Turkey and Azerbaijan and stuff, and I just think. But then it just uh, may, it makes me wrestle with what my orientation towards those situations are. And yeah. and the worst thing about all these events that pull us in geopolitical, be what they, that suck us in, is that they, they just instill hate in us. Like, I mean, the amount of hate yeah. that's growing between the, like, Ukrainian and Russian people right now is through the roof and it's generational. And I just, I wish there was, I don't know if there's a way, but I wish there was a way to, like, to confront the evil in the world and not allow that hate to, to take so much root. And, uh, and that's kind of what I saw in my family. They dealt with a lot of evil and a lot of suffering and somehow they weren't ruled by the hate and by the, yeah. by the, you know, vindictiveness or whatever. Uh, how, how would you, somehow they were able to forge a path forward and, what would and be not your just guess focus around... on the past. What would be your guess around that somehow? What, why? Oh, well, it's definitely, I'm sure. I think it's complicated. I think I'm sure. sure it was their faith. I'm sure it was their, you know, to some degree, their personalities. And I'm sure they dealt with a lot of issues personally that they might have just kind of allowed to go to the grave with them, which might have been, you know, I don't know if that's the best psychological advice or not, but they didn't <laughs> pass it on to their children for whatever mm. reason, you know. I, my, my dad, you know, he had his funny, you know, immigrant views, but he did, they didn't have like the, I just wasn't instilled with that hate growing up. And the, I don't know, I don't know what I can attribute to. I know that they were people of faith for sure. And I know that, uh, they, they didn't talk about it a lot, you know, like people that go through that kind of stuff, yeah. but it was, uh, Yeah. I yeah. think it's yeah. Well, it comes through in in your in your in who you are from the little interaction I've had with you and and watching your stuff. It's just you know it's refreshing and it's good and it um, draws. I think it relaxes some of the tensions in my own mind around guardedness around Christianity and any <laughs> right. religion that gets fundamental a, yeah, or uh, right. fanatical. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think it's just it's all important stuff to wrestle with. I, uh, and we're all on a journey and yeah, I like, you know, like you said, we're, we're all in it together. So I really appreciate when people live their life, um, where resentment isn't the fuel that's like moving them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not this like yeah. constant thing going on. It can be a real, it can be a real, it can really put the blinders on for sure. And then mm. that's where you get yeah. into, boy, that's in where you get into all kinds of problems personally and on a societal level it's yeah like, yeah so jordan, jordan i know we're up against it here uh just last real quick question it's a it's a it's another uh, it's you know different different one here but uh what kind of writing do you want to do you said you oh. want to do some writing. <laughs> i think I, I do feel like <laughs> it would be worthwhile to write uh you know a book of probably about my experiences about the Yavinki, yeah. about the you know train on about the lessons that i've learned over life i've just had a lot of people um say that i should which makes me feel like 
That is true. I've had a unique past, and it would be it's worth writing down. I, I, yeah. You know, I even sat down probably you know four or five days ago, and it's like okay, I'm gonna. I had an idea for maybe how to get started because I just it's hard to get started. Nice. But then when I did write it, it was like it's good for a while, and then when I reread it, it's like ah, so dry. So I, I don't know. I just need the space to maybe develop cool. that but it, but i do feel like there's a there's a story to be told there that would be worthwhile to people yeah, mm-hmm. for sure without a doubt without it's, a, it's something that i think we're all thinking about these days like you know what yeah. what lessons we can learn from from a pre-modern world what lessons we can learn from just other individuals paths through <laughs> the complicated yeah. issues we we're just discussing you know like, i think it's all yeah it's all it'd be worthwhile but it's hard <laughs> well uh i'll send you an episode we did with a gal named megan february who's a writing coach and oh cool daniel and i are in a writer's group together and, and oh very cool um, and i get that i get that pain there's yeah. it, uh, a couple of years ago i started to write every day and i'm not in, i'm not right now at this moment for the last few weeks i've i've had a life transition where I'm, i haven't been able to do this but mm-hmm. a few years ago i started it's actually for lint it was mm-hmm. lint season i was cool. like what am i gonna give up and <laughs> And I have just felt this thing kind of downloaded me. That's like, actually, I'm not going to give up anything. I'm going to start doing something I've been putting off. You're going to get up, is, give uh, up, cool. not writing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. yeah. And, um, and, um, you know, tying this back around to our last guest we had on, um, the, the Buddhist, um, kind of definition of compassion is action mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and getting into action on writing was, <laughs> the most compassionate it was the most loving thing i had done for myself in a long time that's cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah so you, I, never, you never know what you could end up with for with like just 10 or 15 minutes a day even writing on your phone or a piece of scratch paper just to let your brain stretch its legs there yeah but yeah um i appreciate man, I, I know we could talk a lot and, and i, I want to give you a little yeah. bit of uh, room to talk about how people can find you what you offer. Um, I, I've definitely been excited to look at what you do and, and, you know, like, man, I, that sounds awesome. Because, <laughs> well, mostly what I did, like after, after a loan, of course, they're like, like, well, maybe I should start a business and take people out in the wilderness. Yeah. But what I thought was pretty profound is it quickly shifted from just being a business to being like, you know, like calling vibes. Like, cause I was just oh, like, man, this is so important yeah, for awesome. people. Like oh, I, yeah. I was shocked at how important and how, impactful it is for people to just get out and experience some of the things we've been talking about you know and so being able yeah. to facilitate that and provide the framework for what with it, that to happen so basically what i do would be either you know typically they're like week-long trips into the wilderness we get you know go to a really remote place the framework <laughs> of it is kind of survival skills and and <laughs> and and just generally exploration and adventure in the wilderness and learning those some of those things that we've lost uh as far as like connection with one of it's so interesting the first year i did courses you know it was the election year some people were on their oh, phones boy. too much and all different reasons yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was just so neat to see people of all different political persuasions come out in the woods and <laughs> exist together and that stuff just doesn't matter everybody sees each other as people and make yeah. lifelong friendships with these people so facilitating that that's awesome. one of the things I really enjoy. And that's, yeah. so yeah, I take people out on courses, uh, and some backpacking trips, you know, there's certain places that I just really want to get to myself and just invite others to come along <laughs> kind of, yeah. and we do yeah. the same thing. Um, 
And and my the best way to keep in touch, I guess, would be through Instagram. That I have a website, yeah. jordanjonas.com, but then Instagram is is where I yeah, I put everything up there. So hobo jordo yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> Do you have any other like uh, comments about anything today or our discussion? Any like? Oh uh... no, it's a great it's a great conversation. You know, uh, well, too bad you guys didn't live close. Sounds like we could just get <laughs> together and keep it going for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. How far? How far are you from Whitefish? A uh, couple hours. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, what, what's the there. significance of whitefish for you, Ron? Well, there's an overnight train from Portland to Whitefish. I've been wanting <laughs> yeah. to do it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a cool good, train yeah. ride. Yeah. yeah. The first time I rode freight trains was along that route. You know, you was it really? Yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, really neat. one of the, just real quick, one of the things that Jordan, that I, the stories you told that really got me right in the nuggets was fucking when you, because I did a little freight train ride and I did a lot of hitchhiking. and I hitchhiked back and forth from to Alaska a couple of times and mm-hmm. across Australia. And that's a different vibe, but I spent some nights in ditches too and at night and, so, <laughs> and cold. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> dude, this this moment between your brother and you and i got like pissed at your brother and i was wondering if you could kind of tease it out real quick <laughs> because he's on a freight train it's fucking cold as hell it starts raining jordan falls asleep correct me if i'm wrong he falls asleep ron <laughs> and, wake, and and he's in like freezing cold and it's he, there's inches of water now and i was like oh that's so awesome that he fell asleep because i've experienced some cold nights on mountains <laughs> and i wish i was asleep and it wakes you up and i was like yeah, oh man now he's gonna suffer <laughs> i never realized i was supposed to be mad at him for that dang you're right i'm gonna through the whole night that's so <laughs> no yeah i was uh I don't know how. That was one of the first nights I was on the train, if not the first night, and we were just cruising along at 55 miles an hour or whatever in, in April. And uh, man, I, it poured out. And we, I just I almost drowned before I woke up. And then I don't know. That's how, a good reason to like, work you up. Maybe like, <laughs> that's hilarious. But, yeah, he woke you me know, up, my... and I've never noticed. Speaking of observing nature, I've never noticed so acutely before how the sun rises but doesn't put off any heat. My daughter and I love to watch alone together. I think that's how, huh. how I found you. Uh, oh, cool. She used to go to an outdoor oh, cool. school here in town where they spent all day out, outside. Uh-huh. And she asked me, she asked me a while back, she's like, dad, how long, how, how long could you last? I think she was nah, hoping for me to say like, I've been. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, two or three weeks. Like, <laughs> like not, not long. I don't, I don't think. You'd be but, in a high percentile. Probably, who knows? Well, my last elk hunt, uh, I didn't hunt this year, but the last year I did. I get out there, I think it was opening weekend, I can't remember. Super far east Washington, like almost on the border. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, not Washington, Oregon. Uh-huh. And and I was pissed off because the drive-in, I passed like, I passed over 20 camps. And it was... <laughs> That's rough, yeah. And the reason why was because it was the last year it was going to be, it was the last year you didn't have to have a, a special tag. Oh wow! So, yeah. like, everybody is like hitting it, and I had I in that spring I had I had um done a lot of like uh, reconnaissance out there, like f- trying to figure out where I was going to go, mm-hmm. and and then it was just full of just people, you know, diesel trucks, belching, <laughs> belching unmuffled stuff, and I was right. pissed off. That's rough. And um, third night in, it started to rain really hard, and I was in a little little marmot tent and. Uh, I woke up in a bathtub full of water and was like, 
I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. I am done out here. And I, and I felt a little soft for doing that. Um, I think my brain was like looking for an excuse. He was yeah. like one of those hunts where like, not you know, as fun when there's people and you're like, just yeah. orange everywhere. It's like, dude, every, fun. every time I heard it, I knew, dude, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, <laughs> I'm out of here, man. I'm out of here. Yeah. But, but that, but getting cold and wet, I was like, this is, <laughs> this no, that feels like a great, fun, yeah. <laughs> great excuse. Man, yeah. I'd love to hang out sometime. You're an awesome dude. I really appreciate your yeah, conversation thanks, today. Yeah, thanks, and, Ron um, and Daniel. Fun conversation. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, we'll holler yeah. at you that when this comes online and, and send you anything yeah. you need from it. And, um, you know, feel free to, to send it out to your your folks. And, and cool. it's a gift, man. Well. A lot of fun to get to, yeah. to, to know you for even just this last couple hours or so. And, and um, you know. Yeah, appreciate awesome. you guys. Thanks. That's uh, yep, good way to track me down yeah. finally. Cutting for sign takes on a new meaning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is like first big. This is like what big five for us, man. This is excellent. Well, we're about right, to do dude. about a ten minute field dressing. We call it the field dressing. So we're gonna talk about we're gonna we're gonna gut you for the next. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> See if you can find the lies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Take care, Jordan. See you guys. Take care, Jordan. Yeah, Bye. be careful out there. Bye. All right, everybody. Cut your sign. Jordan Jonas. We finally got that guy. Ooh, he has that interview. He has a quick. He has a quick. You know, there's all the moment when you say goodbye on a Zoom meeting, and yeah. then there's like the potentially seconds seconds long awkward. Where you have to look at each other. Everyone's staring at their computers, trying to like hit the leave yeah. scene or whatever it is, or, or whatever. Jordan was like quick to quick, fastest Zoom exit in the West, man. I know. Normally, I've <laughs> got to kick people out manual, and he was like, "I'm done. I'm done." Yeah. I mean, he was sitting in his pit, in his truck or SUV or whatever, and he and and steps outside of his vehicle was raw the wood the, he's making a cabin out in the middle right. of nowhere i mean that's exciting i mean the fact that he stopped and to have this interview oh he's also, building a cabin right now and that was five seconds ago they or 30 seconds yeah, he's, ago he's, he's, he has now stepped out of his vehicle and he's yeah. probably swinging an axe, an axe yeah <laughs> potentially into his knee or uh a boot if he meanwhile i'm gonna go i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna go to my kitchen microwave something yeah, right. <laughs> i know i'm gonna go sit on a clean toilet I mean, like it's all the trappings of, of of luxury and and uh modern living Ooh, how'd um, you like that you ever talk to someone like that oh yeah outdoorsman well like that yeah i mean i don't want to dip dip devalue the uniqueness of jordan but uh you know i i yeah i've spent time in those worlds yeah, for sure yeah the i do you think how do you think you would do alone like four weeks man time, that is no human being good question i'm a different creature now than i was before uh yeah. i'd still spend a lot of time alone i live alone and I need that time, but I know you're ta you're talking about something different. Like I'm talking about alone. alone. Oh, I get, it. I got you. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm vamping so I can come up with an answer. Yeah. I don't think well, you know. I don't think I would do well either. I, I think that's when my daughter yeah. asked me. I was like, I think that's what would be hard for me. And I've, and I've, if you watch the show, <sighs> okay. people cry like they, they start like super hardcore. Like I'm the toughest person out here, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna survive and blah 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 and you know uh, less than a week people are crying for their families 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. I might do better than I than I think now that I'm going to change my answer a little bit because okay. I I don't have that would not be a problem. Yeah. Um. Just where where I'm at in life, what I've the creature I've developed into, and I want to throw this question back at you too. So keep batting it back to me here, but. I think I might do pretty well because if I didn't have a phone and I would yeah. taken care of to where I wasn't totally miserable, you know, mm -hmm. like he, they're up in the Arctic, so they're alone and they're fucking miserable. But I also the, there's a few people who could kind of get the comfort thing going a little well, bit. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. If I can be relatively warm on command, you know, I don't mean like instant, you know, like yeah. a, a space heater under my blanket type of warm, but like if I can be relatively comfortable and dry, but have to work for that, that's a good combination for me because of what he said. That's why what he said in his Joe Rogan interview really hit me, man. I could, I, my brain would come online pretty quick. It, it does. <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm surprised every time I've spent more than a few nights out, night one and two are kind of like, you got to, that's what you got to pay to play. Mm. But nights three and four and up beyond is really when your brain is like, "Hey, man, this is rad." Yeah, I mean, I, that the best experience I've ever had had that was sleeping on a dirt floor in Africa for two months, and and w there was no electrical light. There was we had obviously no phones, no internet. I mean, it was it was yeah as close to natural living as I've ever been. Yeah, I, I, it was. It was amazing. Okay, let me hit you with this, man. Yeah. Because one of the reasons that this that this podcast exists and what it's become and a tool for you and I, at the very least, is how we change our lives based on who we talk to, you know, we talk, yeah. we speak with, right? Yeah. It always feels weird to say talk to. That feels wrong. It's like you're talking at somebody. It's like, that's not what we do. I we're talk to talking him. with someone. We're speaking <laughs> with someone, right? With, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Maybe we should say one of our, to speak with someone. Yeah, we speak. I think that's a better, that's yeah. a better verbiage around that. Um. And okay, so when he was ta when he was talking uh, about this, I thought I'm getting closer to being ready. My body feels good. I spent years getting my body in order, you know, and now I feel like I can be on my feet all day. I don't feel like I am. I'm on my feet all day, and and I know when I need to rest. But um, my body's good. It's good. I could I could I could be out and be working all day and not be too broken off, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so how would you, if you had to adjust your life in some way to bring in what we were all talking about, kind of what Jordan represents, that quality of life improvement when you are alone and in the wild a little bit more, or maybe a lot more, if you could bring it into your life in an ideal way, what might that look like? Mm, that's a good question. I was, I was kind of thinking about that actually during yeah. the deal, because there's got to be... Um, some access to it in some way. I mean, um, gosh, I actually have something I want to say right now, but I think it's too early to speak about in my life, but there, but I've gone through something now that's similar mm -hmm. that, that, that gives me a little bit of taste of this, but I'll I'm gonna save tease. it for later. I know I want people to know. I, I'm just not ready to talk about it yet, Heard. but it, but you know, um, the way I have done it historically the last several years is what I was telling you guys, Jordan, earlier is like, I have access to this big park, this big forest that I can, I can walk into and that's all I got. And, and then, and you do, do that. I can tell, I mean, you do it. Yeah. You'll do several miles most days. It sounds like. Yeah. As yeah, a, yeah. If I'm under four miles a day. It's, it's, it's like 
that's my base. You know how big that is though? Yeah. Like to go on a four mile walk from your home into nature most days. Like I, I have an acute understanding of what four miles is because four miles was always the our easiest of easy days. If we're taking an easy day on running, we would go for a four mile run always. Yeah. And I ne- and you never really go for a run under four miles. That like at that point in my life, that didn't make any sense. Like four miles was the minimum. I, I don't like, yeah, I, it's gotta be minimum for me. That's interesting. That's a yeah. long way and you're walking. So it's 20 minutes a mile or so. Oh you, yeah. Yeah. It takes a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, so you kind of do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And then the other thing that is a requirement Martin, and this is for Morgan too, is, is we need time alone. Like, so she, you know, she just had her birthday. She rented an Airbnb and spent a night or two by herself. Like, I love that, that you guys do that. I do. I do the same thing. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of times I've gone backpacking by myself or, or just, you know, drive my vehicle out somewhere and sleep, hmm. sleep on some BLM land by myself. Hmm. Or, yeah. I need that. I need that alone time too. I need to hear some owls. I need to hear some critters and, and just be be out there. I yeah, the there's a, there's a I love that like the outdoor industry is doing well because it means people are getting outside. But mm-hmm. I really don't like seeing other people outside. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. and it's it's like it's a it's a snobby thing to do because of course I'm one of those people. This is my alone land, wild yeah, land. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How uh, dare you? You know, so it's a it's a bullshit thing for me for my ego to yeah, want. Yeah, but it's valid. But uh, but when I get out, man, there's like it's a gift to be out of out there, and that's what made me so upset about that hunting experience a couple of years ago was that my cousin and I had gone to scout before we went, and it was the first time in my life I thought, um, I don't see footprints of anybody. That they're like no one's been here in a long time. <clears throat> this is amazing, and I felt like it was all mine, and we were putting like 13 mile days, and I was so excited about the the next hunting season coming up and what i didn't know was above where i was several thousand feet above there was their timber roads that people could drive in <laughs> and and so there's just all these dudes out no there need to walk yeah man. <laughs> no footprint. And, this is great yeah um so well i isolation i need it uh but but on a day-to-day basis just walking up in the woods here I, there's something about it i've heard it i've heard um spiritual teachers and brain scientists talk about aloneness in in nature in particular like four scenes you know prairies deserts whatever does something to the brain well i think just, that just can't get anywhere else. teasing that that quote something it's like well, what does that something mean and teasing that out is kind of one place that i i go and land on that is that i think about that inner world and i think about time and i think about ancientness and if this body and mind has been created for millions of years, if yeah. potentially more, potentially less, that uh, the vast majority of that time has been in outdoors and in nature, you know, and you can be in nature yeah. and not be outdoors. You know, we could, you could live in more nature-like environments, which are uh, domiciles, protective areas that uh, that I'm sure our bodies had five, three million year, years ago, right. you know? Yeah. So, so I think that there's a connection that happens with our ancient roots when we're in nature and that part of you that gets mad at seeing other people is because it sounds like i would think you are getting in touch with that as soon as you're alone and you're thirsty for it we're thirsty for it we need it you know that lack of that kairos time comes 
comes into play that round time not not the linear crunching numbered time you know because things look the way that they've looked for millions and billions of years when in nature right and so there's not the time is very slow and i just think that there's a part of our brain that relaxes deeply comes online and and that we're very thirsty for that experience well, that's one thing Jordan talked. We are, we are totally thirsty for it. And I don't think, and, and like thirst, sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't realize how thirsty we are for something. Oh like yeah. People who don't drink totally. water and then they finally stop soda and tea and all the other stuff and then drink water. Like, holy shit. I just had no idea how much I needed this. Uh, and I don't remember if you remember his conversation with Joe, Joe Rogan, um, they were talking about how like there's a concept of time when he was living with the guys in, in the Siberia. Like, mm. it's like, I'm going to see you. I'll mm. see you in three weeks. And it might mm. be like four days within those three weeks. Mm, I didn't get and to definitely, that and definitely no like morning, noon or night, you know, conversation about it. That's awesome. And, and it just takes off so much bandwidth. Sounded yeah. like it takes off so much yeah. bandwidth. I, I can't speak to that directly. I mean, we live in a life where to the hour we're trying to, you know, um, have schedules. Oh, yeah. and it's so I got a good story around that, yeah. buddy. About about not having time or around around time. planning things in the future, but not having the control that we ha- and the precision that we have now know. to plan things. And er- the whole conversation that we've been talking, I was going back in my head. Part of my brain was in Hawaii and Alaska and Australia, because through through my pre cell phone years, those are places that I sent, spent yeah. significant time and significant time alone, traveling, living on the street, living uh, hitchhiking, you know, and living on in transportation in between places, and did a lot of pretty extreme travel. Well, check this out. So I'm in Hawaii, circa 2000, and I meet this group of people who are all also traveling, various different types of people. One guy was just graduated college, went out to Hawaii to write a book for six months before he started law school. His name was Cyril Dursey. I like good. That's a good author name. Dude, out of Brooklyn. He's a hip hop guy. Genius. Curly hair, weird look, confident as fuck. Uh, He just was a good person for me to meet. And I just like really looked up to him for a lot of reasons. Let's find that guy. I I did. I tracked him down recently. Oh, good. Recently. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. let's put a little dog ear on that no, page. Yeah. We'll, come we'll back. check we'll this come out. This is the, the story of yeah. me and Cyril. It was a very, very cool moment. So I looked up to him. I was living on the street for six months, just sleeping in a, in a beach park. And then I would uh, work this little job in a bakery. And then I would um, hang out with this, this group of very cool people in the evenings. Well, uh, Cyril was about to go home. Or sorry, he was about to move on. He was going to go to another island. He'd finished his book. And so I go, he goes, I'm going to be on Kauai in two months. And I'm going to go to this beach called Kalalau Beach. It's off the Nepali coast, 12 mile hike in, something like that. I know exactly what it is. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, let's meet on Kalalau Beach on this date, you know, April 4th. Yeah. And I was like, see you then. So uh, um, when I'm ready to leave, I go to Kauai, fly to Kauai because I was on the big island. Yeah. Spend a couple of days, and on April fourth, I start huffing it out the Nepali coast. That's a hike out there. It's, it is, yeah. It's, it's it's a day, at least a day hiking for most people. No, it's not at least a day. It's a. It. I think it's it's ten miles plus or minus. So it's a couple hours, you know. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, you for you and I, that's a couple hours. But Good call. Good I just call. mean like for for the 
for people who don't no, walk that's a, a good that's call. A big day. My bad, my bad. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. At that time in my life, that was like a 30-minute hike. <laughs> you know, I was like 10 yeah. miles. I should be running this. Yeah. Um, but dramatic coastline. This is a dramatic coastline where like Crazy goats dramatic, fall yeah. off fall off cliffs and then get chomped by tiger sharks. Yeah, there's like, a shark wave. <laughs> yeah, <against> exactly. the... <laughs> so dramatic. It is like, it's a wildly dramatic landscape. Even at that time in life, I was like, there's no way Cyril's actually That's where, be. I think that's where they filmed some of Jurassic Park, right? I don't know. Okay, anyway. Um, but, uh, okay, so I, even at that time, you know, even though it was no cell phones yet, uh, I didn't think Cyril would actually be there, but I was going to stick yeah. to my guns. And yeah. I'm sitting about five miles out I'm sitting on the trail and his face pops up around the corner. We were supposed to meet on the beach another seven miles or five miles, yeah. but I'm sitting there and he comes cruising around and he's like, dude, I ran out of food, man. I just couldn't stay any longer. <laughs> um, but he made it, man. And we met up That's and then we spent awesome. this magical week, like just, just uh, having fun in the little Hanalei Bay there. But yeah. I remember that, that, that putting things out to the unknown not being so specific that yeah. also invites another way of being i think that we we probably have experienced a lot in these brains and bodies yeah i think that speaks to the um, trying to f trying to find a rhythm of that in our life yeah like where can we budget that into either the morning or the, uh, sometime in the week or you know seasonally like we need it's we need easy to do man there's all kinds yeah. of tricks it's not our first time in the rodeo leave your cell phone at home for a day yeah go that's walk cool. to the place you need to go instead yeah. of riding your bike or taking a car these are more well, that's why yeah you know these I are mean, more in the rhythm of the heartbeat type of moves and yeah. they will invite synchronicity and your inner world and the unknown to start to play its role and have some magic that's solid a uh, couple of things before we jump off. Number one is uh, Daniel. Thank you for setting up a Patreon account for us. If you like this show, go check go check out that link uh, and, and help support us. We really appreciate it. We've been putting a lot of time, effort, and energy into this, and and we're getting better and better guests. And that's that's not, not the word I would say it. Yeah, that was that was hierarchical. That was hierarchical. <laughs> that's not the that's not how I meant to say. I should say this: you and I are we've put in a lot of time into this, um, and. And I'm really proud of what we've done. Really proud. We we're in the top 15% most shared podcast in the world right now, and we're trying to connect and and putting this time in allows us. It gives us access to higher profile folks who normally wouldn't want to come on a show uh, unless they you know has a has a big reach. It's undeniable that that's not cool. At the same yeah. time, we had probably our quote lowest profile guest the episode that we just published last, and I think what we are doing Which was amazing. Is we're yeah. having higher, better quality of conversation with people, yeah. and I I know there's a lot of room that I uh, you know ways that I can be a better conversationalist, and the fact that we're both doing that and committed to that work on it, it's showing through the quality of conversations, and yeah. you know I really was surprised how many people listen. I've been surprised the whole time how many people listen to this, but we put a lot of work into it, a lot of preparation that and and a lot of heart you know and so yeah. any support we can get has been very appreciated patreon is um is going and then there's another way to support us straight through anchor um and then also you can just send us like checks and gold doubloons <laughs> gold doubloon would be preferable <laughs> please actually the last way to connect with us is is um i know people have like asked you if they could speak with me and i've had the same people like yeah. oh, i talked to daniel yeah like, 
go go to our socials. You can DM us. Those are totally open. Yeah, um, bat signals. And, yeah, we'd love to have yeah. a conversation. Well, I'll meet with you on Carlisle in April fifth, two thousand twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Three o'clock. That's right. Most no most uh, most Wednesday <laughs> afternoons, you're gonna find me in Forest Park here. So yeah, you set your calendar. Come on out. Uh, yeah. Thanks everybody for joining well, us. One more Thank thing. You, also, just yeah. you don't want to do that. Leave a review. Reviews are huge. And oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I... <laughs> and thank you to everyone who has left a review. There's yeah, a lot to yeah. Us. Awesome. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. All right, my man. We'll talk soon. See you next time.